You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, When Giorgia Maloney was first running for office, she leads the Brothers of Italy party. She campaigned, as fascists always do, against gays and lesbians. Maloney staged huge Trump-style rallies in Rome during her successful campaign in 2022. And those Trump rallies are modeled on rallies held by Hitler and Mussolini in the 30s, so Maloney kind of closed that loop. At Maloney's rallies, she described herself as a simple Christian mom who believed children should only be raised by married heterosexual parents. After taking power in October of 2022, the Maloney government forced Italian cities to rescind birth certificates that had already been issued to same-sex couples that listed both parents, creating, as the BBC described them, orphans by decree. And Maloney's party is now moving to make surrogacy abroad a crime in Italy that can be punished retroactively with fines and jail terms. Since mostly gay male couples have sought surrogacy abroad, gay couples with kids face the prospect of being jailed and having their kids taken from them. One gay couple, Claudio and David, profiled in the BBC, is now preparing to flee Italy. I'm afraid that our child won't have parents because we will be in jail, Claudio said. It's grim. I'm old enough to remember when social conservatives and other fascists used to attack gays and lesbians because we didn't have kids. They worried straight people would look at our hedonistic, child-free, carefree lifestyles and get ideas. And then if straight people started living like gay people, society would collapse. The human race would go extinct. Now, social conservatives and other fascists are out there attacking gay people for having kids. And Italy, with its collapsing birth rates, really does need all the kids it can get. So it seems that no matter what we do, no matter how we live, it's never good enough. We are never good enough. It's tempting to say that the problem isn't how we live, but that we live, and they want to live in a world where we don't exist. But if we didn't exist, they would invent us. Because scapegoating queers makes it possible for autocrats leading corrupt systems to distract attention away from their crimes, in the case of Vladimir Putin, or from their own personal shortcomings, in the case of Georgia Maloney. So, remember, Maloney is a mom, she has a child, and she may be a Christian. Basically, Christians can self-ID. You say you're a Christian, you're a Christian, no religion recognition certificate required. But traditional values? Georgia Maloney? She had her child, a daughter, out of wedlock with her boyfriend, Italian news presenter Andrea Gimbruno, who was recently caught on a hot mic propositioning a colleague. He asked the woman if he could touch his balls while they talked. The woman pointed out that he was already touching his balls. And then he told her he was having an affair and invited the woman to have a threesome with him or a foursome. It is unclear from the tape whether that threesome or foursome would involve Maloney or his affair partner or both. After the recording leaked, Maloney dumped her boyfriend, the man she had a child with, out of wedlock and returned to attacking gays and lesbians who are the real problem after all. Look over there, gay and lesbian parents. Oh my. 
fucking social conservatives, fucking fascist man. They're all the same. Traditional values for thee, whatever the fuck I want for me. Sexual morality for thee. Threesomes with my hot TV star boyfriend for me. Remember Jerry Falwell Jr.? Sexual morality for thee. Hot cuckold threesomes with my wife and the pool boy for me. And it has ever been thus. In the 1980s, TV preacher Jimmy Swaggart got rich preaching fire-breathing sermons condemning pornography and prostitution and was caught in a hotel room with, you're never going to guess, prostitutes and porn. In the 90s, Newt Gingrich led the impeachment of Bill Clinton for getting a blowjob from someone who wasn't his wife while he was getting his dick sucked by someone who wasn't his wife. In the aughts, megachurch pastor Ted Haggard got rich and famous, preaching against the depraved homosexual lifestyle until he got caught using meth and having gay sex with a rent boy. Which brings us to Bridget Ziegler and the Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty, or as Scary Larry calls them on Twitter, Moms for Liberty, a.k.a. Hags for Hitler, a.k.a. the Minivan Taliban, a.k.a. the Twatsies, a.k.a. Mary KKK, a.k.a. assholes with casseroles. They're the right-wing group of rabidly anti-LGBT moms who've been taking over school boards in red states and attacking gay families and purging libraries of books that mention the existence of gay people or trans kids, along with books that discuss slavery or racism. They are the group that has been leading attacks on gay kids and trans kids and GSAs and pushing don't-say-gay laws. And it turns out that Bridget Ziegler and her husband Christian, when they're not attacking gay people, are having threesomes with other women. And as anyone who's ever had an MFF or MMF threesome can tell you, and I lost my virginity in an MMF threesome, and I am telling you, there is always a little gayish shit going on in one of those. At the very least, some gay-adjacent shit going on during those. And according to the woman who is Bridget and Christian Ziegler's threesome partner, she was in it for the Bridget of it, not the Christian of it. She was there for the pussy not the deck. And she's now accused Christian of raping her when Bridget wasn't there and she wasn't interested in having sex with Christian and filming it. Police are investigating. Police already have in their possession the tape. There is an epic piece about this scandal by Kate Bricolette at the Daily Beast. I recommend reading it. Bridget Ziegler has resigned from Moms for Liberty, pushed out, but currently still sits on the Sarasota school board where she pushed through policies that made gay and lesbian kids unsafe while she was out there eating pussy herself. That school board is meeting today, and Ziegler is going to be asked to resign. Christian Ziegler, her husband, is the chair of the Republican Party of Florida. He has already been asked to resign from that position, but he has refused. Because why would he resign over a rape accusation when the GOP is led by a man who's been convicted of rape? Here we are again, yet again. I don't think the Maloney scandal or the Ziegler scandal teaches us anything we already didn't know. There are basically two kinds of social conservatives out there who are attacking other people for their sex lives. The hypocrites who got caught, the Swaggerts, Haggards, Gingriches, Maloney's, and Ziegler's, and the hypocrites who haven't gotten caught yet. All right, two quick announcements before we get this started. Early bird discounted tickets for the all-new 2024 Hump Film Festival are on sale now for the opening weekends in Seattle, Portland, and San Francisco, and for the spring tour to cities all over 
the US, Canada, and Europe. Go to humpfilmfest.com and get your Hump 2024 tickets now and at a discount. And all through December, you can give the gift of a Magnum subscription to the Savage Lovecast for half off. Magnum subs, get all the Q, all the A with no ads, the extended Savage Love column, my sex and politics podcast, struggle session, invites to Savage Love live shows, and more. Go to savage.love slash gifts to give the gift of a Magnum sub a full year for just 20 bucks. All right, coming up on today's show, tons of your Q, lots of my A, and on the Magnum, Lovecast, STI expert Dr. Ina Park returns to field your questions about herpes, doxy, pep, HPV, prep, and more. All that coming up on today's show. Want to bring the heat back to your relationship? Want to try some new positions? Have some new fun? Liberator can help. They've got an amazing amount of shapes and other products to fuel your desires and make sex easier, better, and last longer. Use the promo code SAVAGE and save 40% off the best-selling wedge ramp combo. Liberator wants better sex for everybody, and that starts with you. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage. Support for today's show, support we are very grateful for, comes from stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk in your own home, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click print mail and you are done. It could not be easier. And right now use Savage for this special offer. Includes up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Do not wait. Go to stamps.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Savage. That's stamps.com. Enter S-A-V-A-G-E. Hi, Dan. Straight male, married in his 50s. Just ring because the relationship I'm in just went through a very rocky period where there was an infidelity on my wife's part. It was very painful. Took a lot of uh, hard work to, to reconcile, which we now have. Uh, the one thing that I've noticed, which despite me still finding her very attractive, my desire for sex and frequency of sex has dropped back. Hers clearly hasn't. I'm finding myself trying to find excuses or ways to manage the, the number of interactions, but I realize this is a problem I've got to fix. Any ideas or sort of strategies about how to uh, rekindle that fire that was there? Seems to me that one of two things could be going on here. Your wife's infidelity, the fact that she cheated on you, destroyed your libido, tanked your libido. You can't be intimate or don't want to be intimate with your wife in the same way that you used to before she betrayed you like this. You say that you're, you want to stay together, that you've worked past this, that you and the wife have healed from it, but maybe your libido was a casualty and ain't coming back. Or maybe you're a man in his 50s and your testosterone levels have tanked. Have you been to the doctor? Have you had your hormone levels checked? You, this could just be a coincidence that your wife cheated on you, you found out about it, you worked through it, and as that process was unfolding, your balls ceased to kick out the same amount of testosterone that your balls used to kick out, and you're no longer 
as interested in sex as you once were, and you're misattributing that perhaps to the infidelity, which is not something that you can change. You can't change the past when what's actually going on is just something physiological and medical and that can be addressed. So before we put all of our marbles on my wife cheated on me and destroyed my libido and it's never coming back, let's go to the doctor and find out whether this is a hormonal thing. Uh, and a coincidence that it happened at roughly the same time. Your libido began to drop roughly the same time that your wife cheated on you and you found out about it and you worked through it. All right. Even if you get on testosterone and that boosts your desire for sex, you and your wife may not have exactly matched libidos. It's rare for a couple to have identical libidos. And so then what do you do when it's a mismatched libido situation? That's really common. There's a lot of good advice out there for couples with mixed matched libidos. I've given a lot of good advice to couples with mixed matched libidos over the years. You know, to the person with the higher libido, sometimes you're just going to have to jack off, masturbate, bust out the Hitachi magic wand vibrator on your own and take care of your own needs. But I think you know, if you're in a loving relationship and you're invested in each other's happiness, that sometimes the partner with the lower libido shows up for a little assisted masturbation session. You should be able to say to your wife, there are times when you're horny, I'm not horny, but I am happy to help you out. I am happy to hold that vibrator. I'm happy if you can go there and not a lot of straight guys can, but more and more straight guys are. And I think it's great. Strap a fucking dildo on and fuck the shit out of your wife with a strap on dildo. It can be a lot of pressure on the person with the lower libido to be more sexual than they want to be. It can cause resentment in the person with the higher libido to get less sex than they need to feel fulfilled. Compromises can be made on both sides. Every once in a while, you're going to take care of yourself. Every once in a while, I'm going to be there to assist. And then when we're both feeling it, we're going to have great fucking sex. That is a conversation I think you should have with your wife. That is a compromise that you two can hash out together. Oh my God, if you can get past an infidelity, if you could save the relationship from that kind of betrayal, this has to be an easier conversation to have. You have a higher libido than I do. I don't want you to be miserable or unfulfilled. I got you a brand new vibrator for you to use on your own, for me to use with you sometimes when I'm not feeling it, when I'm not horny. And who knows, some of the times when you're willing to be there as the person who's given the assist, you catch a groove and suddenly you find yourself having sex that you didn't want when you were just there to assist. And then suddenly you do want, come to want as you provide the assist. But the first conversation that I think you need to have before you have this conversation with your wife about your mixed match libidos is that conversation with your doctor about getting your hormone levels checked. Hi, Dan. I'm a 51-year-old gay man. I've been in a long-term 25-year relationship with my husband. We adopted two children. We're now 9 and 12 years old. While my husband and I do love each other, we've never had much intimacy between us. We were never that couple that fucked like rabbits upon meeting, and things just faded away. Touching, hugging, kissing, even an arm around each other have always been missing. I tried over the years to discuss it, but he avoided the topic like the plague. About six to seven years ago, we opted to open up the marriage to maybe spice it up. It didn't work. The rule was that we have guests over, but always together and no separate hookups. Even during our trysts, we never touched each other, and there was no sex of any kind between us outside of the hookups. I made the mistake of getting emotionally involved with one of these guys on my own. He helped me realize what I had been missing. 
About seven months ago, I confessed the relationship and then ended it. My husband and I decided to see if our relationship could be salvaged. We went to couples counseling, but couldn't get past our issues. He couldn't forgive me, and I didn't see a path to intimacy with him. So seeing no hope, I filed for divorce. My question is around the way our story is perceived. My husband's version of events focuses on the outside relationship and nothing else. He plays his victim role, and the scandalous headlines gets everyone's attention. Old man has midlife crisis and leaves husband and kids for young affair. My side seems to get no sympathy. Man trapped in sexless, loveless marriage for 25 years decides to prioritize himself for once to try and find true love and happiness. I feel like all people see is the affair. I absolutely own that I handled my unhappiness in the wrong way. Trust was broken. But we tried for seven months to fix it, and it's just broken. I didn't run off and leave my family behind. But that's what I'm being accused of now. Am I at fault for having the cojones to leave and not settle for less? My kids deserve happy parents. I feel like no one's seeing things from my side. I mean, we had an open relationship, for God's sakes. The affair was just a symptom of the problem, and it wasn't the problem. Aren't we both to blame here? You've convinced me that you're not the bad guy, but I don't think it's my opinion or me that you were hoping to convince. It's everyone else in your life, including your two kids. Your husband is out there playing the victim and the narrative around a marriage that breaks up because one person had an affair with someone else, even if it was an open relationship, but an open relationship that didn't allow for emotional connections with other people, you're the bad guy. You have to wear the black hat. And that narrative is hard to get out from under because, you know, when a sexless marriage goes tits up, when it ends, because one of the people in that sexless relationship was unsatisfied because they wanted sex and went out and found sex, but also intimacy and connection with someone else. That person is always regarded as the bad guy because sex is bad and it would just solve all conflicts in sexless relationships where both people aren't content. And there are some sexless relationships out there where both people are content with sexlessness and to those people who might be listening, I say there's nothing broken or damaged or fucked up about your relationship. If it's what makes you both happy and neither person boils with resentment for the other and curses their fate that they got trapped in the sexless relationship, there's nothing wrong with that sexless relationship. Sex does not need to be present in a long-term committed, loving, intimate relationship for it to be healthy or valid or a real marriage. But in sexless relationships where one person's miserable That person goes and finds sex or connection elsewhere. And then the marriage ends, the relationship ends. That person is always seen as the bad guy. Because wouldn't it just be better if the person who wasn't getting sex just could resign themselves to their fate and you couldn't do that and you went and fucked somebody else that then you enjoyed talking to and hanging out with and got a little emotional connection in addition to the sexual connection. And uh, yeah, how do you get out from under that? You know, I don't know if you can. I don't know if it's worth the effort to even try. You out there trying to explain to the people that your husband has played the victim card with, that the marriage was sexless and you worked on it and it was unsatisfying and you stuck it out for 25 long intimacy-free years and you deserve a little credit for time served. You're just going to seem defensive. People who might be sympathetic to that argument, people like me, probably already on your side. 
people who aren't going to be sympathetic to that argument, you'll just be digging the hole that you're already in a little bit deeper. So what do you do? What do you say? Yeah, I did something wrong. I violated the rules of our relationship, but the rules weren't working and the relationship wasn't working and it needed to end. I could have ended it better, could have stuck the dismount, but it ended messy as so many marriages do. And now we're going to pivot to friends, hopefully, and we're going to have to remain in each other's lives because we have kids that we are parenting together. And so maybe for your kids, rather than contesting your husband's version of events, you can let him have that narrative and you can accept with some grace and maybe get some credit for accepting with some grace that you were the bad guy in the story of the end of your relationship. But you're not the bad guy in your story and you're not the bad guy in the story of the marriage, the story of you parenting together. You're the bad guy in that discreet little section, in that chapter of your story. You don't say a lot about your two kids and, and how they're feeling or what your ex-husband is telling your kids about the end of the marriage. I do want to say that one of the things my dad did right when he left my mother and my parents got divorced, he was kind of the bad guy. And he didn't argue with us about whether or not he was the bad guy. He did say adult relationships are really complicated. And then let us think that he was the bad guy and didn't fight us, didn't fight the kids over who was responsible for the end of my parents' marriage. My dad instigated the divorce. He was responsible for the end of the marriage. And there was somebody else, and we found out, and eventually we got over it. And I think us getting over it as kids, one of the things that sped that process along, and that process took years, was the fact that dad wasn't arguing with us about who the bad guy was in that part of my parents' story, in the, in the chapter, on the end of their marriage. He accepted the bad guy role. While also the asterisks and the end of it saying, you know what, adult relationships are complicated and one day you kids will have adult relationships and you will see how complicated they can be. And then just shift it the conversation to school or whatever was going on in our lives or whatever was going on in his life and changed the subject. And he was only able to do that and help us get past this conflict or not drag us into the conflict between my parents by not arguing with us about who the bad guy was. Sucks to be seen as the bad guy. Kind of cements that bad guy role into place if you want to argue with people, particularly your kids about whether or not you are indeed the bad guy. Here on the Savage Lovecast, we're always talking about ways to improve your sex life and your relationships. I recommend adding Liberator to your erotic playground. Liberator ignited a sexual revolution two decades ago, driven by a mission to liberate couples from bedroom boredom. They created a wide and creative variety of furniture, all specifically designed for better sex, it's all made in America from high-quality materials like furniture-grade foam, plush microfiber, and premium leather. Liberator goods are made to last a lifetime. Liberator also now boasts two bondage collections, the Black Label and Valkyrie Editions. 
Pieces from the Black Label collection come with restraints attached, whereas the brand spanking new Valkyrie edition items have removable Velcro cuff fasteners for customized bondage. Liberator also has a hot new handcrafted leather collection with cuff kits, masks, body harnesses, and more. Liberator Leather is your gateway to unforgettable BDSM roleplay adventures, whether you're a curious beginner or a seasoned bondage enthusiast. And right now, Liberator is offering my listeners 40% off the best-selling wedge ramp combo. Act fast and use the promo code SAVAGE at liberator.com, where they boast a million satisfied customers, a million and growing, L-I-B-E-R-A-T-O-R.com, promo code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan and Savage Love. I'm a 20-year-old in California. I got involved romantically with this guy who was five years older than me. I was 17 and 18. And he was kind of the leader of my social circle. He was also the son of my boss, which made me feel like there was certainly a power dynamic in the situation. It was kind of a slow burn of a relationship with a quick rejection because he decided he couldn't be with me because my ex-boyfriend was one of his close friends. After that, I was kind of stunned from the social scene. And he had offhandedly said that he could have made me lose my job because his mom was my boss. We spent time together after that, uh, not in my best interest, but he would constantly assert his age and his experience over me, talk about sex as ex and how we'd never do that. I started thinking about it when he mentioned to me that when he met me when I was 15, he had tried really hard not to be interested in me. I always thought that was weird because now that I'm 20, I'm the age he was then. And I can't imagine ever doing that with somebody so much younger than me. He ended up being a misogynist and a homophobe that I found out later through that same social circle. But a lot of people have told me this doesn't count as him using me or anything like that. But I've always kind of felt that it was. I don't know how to categorize it. But if you have any intel on that kind of sort of situation and what I could call it, because it didn't fully seem like a fair relationship. I'm supposed to call for this guy who sounds like an asshole, just going to throw that out there, sounds like an asshole. But I'm supposed to call for this guy to be drawn and quartered because when he was 19 or 20, he met a girl in his social circle that he was the leader of, met a girl he thought was cute, and then found out that girl was 15 years old and backed the fuck off. Isn't that what we want young men to do? And You say now that, you know, you meet 15-year-olds and you could never imagine at 20 being with them. But I think what you're doing is you're meeting 15-year-olds who look 15 or younger. And that confirms your bias, your absolutely correct bias not to sleep with 15-year-olds. But the 15-year-olds that you may see on the bus, see in the grocery store, meet briefly who look like they're 18 or 19 and that you think are cute and you never find out they're 15, you don't realize that there may be some people in the world who are 15 years old who are going to ping onto your radar. And then, you know, if you find out they're 15, you should do what this guy did when he found out you were 15 and back the fuck off. You know, when people are in high school and a little bit older and under the age of 21, particularly in the United States where the drinking age is 21, there tends to be a lot of mixing of high school age and slightly out of high school, particularly if people didn't go away to college age 
young adults. And that can be problematic because then you can end up with 18, 19, 20-year-olds meeting socially, 14, 15, 16-year-olds that it might be inappropriate for them to date. And asshole though this guy was, we want young men in that sort of environment if they're meeting 15-year-old girls who, you know, it's often said girls will look a little bit older, mature a little bit faster physically than boys. If they meet a girl they think is cute, and then it turns out that girl is five years younger than they are and not two or three years younger than they are. Yeah, you want them to back the fuck off, which is what this guy did, which doesn't mean this was a great relationship. Doesn't mean it wasn't a relationship that was shot through with slightly creepy power differentials that made you, at least in retrospect, feel uneasy or exploited or manipulated by this guy. But, you know, unless we're willing to add leader of social circle to the list of positions of authority that could possibly be abused and nobody who leads a social circle can then therefore date anyone in the social circle that they lead for fear of abusing or exploiting their power, position, or charisma, you know, eventually we're going to back ourselves into a world where nobody's getting laid ever at all. This guy, the way he wielded his age and position of social influence over you and pointed to his mom and threatened your job, yeah, this guy was an asshole and you are well rid of him. What to call it? A learning experience, a shitty early relationship with a shitty person that hopefully has left you. You know, we all have a lot of shitty early relationships, it seems, with shitty people. And, you know, shitty people get dumped. Hopefully, shitty people get less shitty over time. People grow, mature. Sometimes they do better. Maybe this guy is going to be better and do better. But then, you know, if we were the not shitty person in the relationship or if our shit was less weighty than their shit, we learn to spot the shitty people. We learn earlier on to not date somebody just because they're hot, uh, if they're an asshole, or not date somebody just because they have more social capital than we do, or charisma, and to trust our gut, to, to get out of those relationships faster. So what to call this shitty early relationship, what to do about it, learn from it. But let's not call this guy, let's not insinuate that this guy at age 19, 20, who met a 15 year old did something wrong by backing the fuck off. A little creepy that when you were dating and you were 18, 17, 18 in that relationship, he brought it up, maybe a little creepy, but on that point, and no other points. Seems like this dude did the right thing and deserves a shred of credit. It's funny how my two favorite things to do at home are kind of polar opposites. I'm talking about sleep and sex. Both go down on my Helix sleep mattress. And do you want to know why me and my husband and his boyfriend and my boyfriend all rave about our Helix sleep and other stuff mattresses? 
The Helix Sleep lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, that's ours, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. To find out which mattress is right for you, take the Helix Sleep Quiz to find your perfect mattress in under two minutes, and your personalized mattress will be shipped straight to your door free of charge. And with their 100-night sleep trial, you can try out your new mattress, see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit for you, you are welcome to return that mattress for a full refund. They offer models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side, and models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design that's a combo of individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. And again, they offer a 100-night trial to try out your new Helix mattress and a 10 to 15-year warranty on your Helix mattress. Right now, Helix is also offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners, just go to helixsleep.com slash savage. Let them know the Lovecast sent you, helixsleep.com slash savage. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hey, Dan, Nancy, and the tech-savvy youth. I'm a cis gay male based on the West Coast, but I'm not sure all that matters as much for my question. The parts of my identity that are probably the most pertinent are that I'm in my early 40s, and I just got my first ever body modification a few weeks ago, a Prince Albert piercing. I'm also a dad to a three-year-old boy. My son has seen people with ear and nose and facial piercings, and it's never been an issue. But a genital piercing feels like it's going to be a different situation. I know at some point my son will see my Prince Albert. Maybe he'll see me stepping out of the shower or changing out of my bathing suit at a beach. And I faintly remember seeing my father naked when I was a child. So I assume my son will remember seeing me naked at some point too. And when he does see me naked, he'll probably notice a big shiny metal ring dangling off the tip of my dick. So, my question is, how do I explain my Prince Albert to my son when he inevitably sees it and asks about it? I'm very body positive, sex positive, and kink positive, so hiding my body or never allowing my child to ever see me naked again just doesn't sound feasible. What do you think, Dan? I don't know if my father listens to the show, but if my dad is listening right now, I want to thank you for hiding your body. I want to thank you again for never allowing your child to see you naked. Where do people get this from that you inevitably get to see your dad's dick? I never saw my dad's dick, maybe because we were Catholic, but we grew up in a really tiny apartment. We had one bathroom and there were six of us and somehow... I managed to make it out of childhood without finding out whether my dad had a Prince Albert piercing or not, or whether he had a giant dick or I didn't ever see my dad's dick. I wish the same for your son, not to shame you, not that there's anything wrong with that kind of body modification. And you know, if your son ever does see it and you feel the need to explain it, to him or a TSA agent, all you got to say with a kid is something simple. He's seen earrings. He's seen nose rings. He understands them. All you got to say is it's like an earring for your dick. Some adults get them. Most adults don't. The end. And then uh, I promise you, 
your son will stop thinking about your dick. I would also encourage you to stop thinking about how much your son is going to be thinking about your dick. I mean, I, I think this is something definitely legitimate to think about, take into consideration after you get a Prince Albert piercing, that that may be something you need to address with your son at some point. But if you go my dad's route, again, my dad could have seven dick piercings for all I know. But if you go my dad's route, just like don't let him see your fucking dick and then you never have to have this conversation with your kid. I, I, like these these the dads and dicks things, it always bumps me. Usually it's circumcision. It's a conversation about circumcision where somebody says, we want to get our infant son, you know, our we did a, we know the gender of our kid, the sex of our kid, and we want to get him circumcised after he's born because we want him to look like his father. I hear that all the time when the circumcision subject dilemma in a relationship, conflict often comes up and I'm ne where is this culture where dads and sons sit around and have a beer and pull their dicks out and compare them to check how much they look alike? It doesn't happen. So again, <laughs> again, thank you, dad, wherever you are, if you're listening right now, never saw your dick, you never saw my dick. And somehow we managed to make that happen in a, two bedroom apartment with one bathroom, four kids, two adults. Thanks again, dad. The holidays are coming. For many of us, that means a lot of work. If you are a business owner, you can make your holiday crush so much easier with stamps.com. It's like having your own personal post office wherever you are. With stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale so you'll have everything you need to get started. And now taking care of orders on the go is even easier with the Stamps.com mobile app. If you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. And if you sell products online, Stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart. You can order shipping and mailing supplies, labels, and even printers from the supply store. You'll also get huge carrier discounts up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates to help your bottom line. Plus, Stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Get access to the USPS and UPS services you need right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Give your business the gift of stamps.com so your mailing and shipping is covered this holiday season. Sign up with promo code SAVAGE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan. I am a 41-year-old female living in the Midwest. I have been separated slash divorced from my ex-husband for about two years now. We have a pretty great co-parenting relationship, four kids. We were together for 20-some years. We started dating in high school. That's all going really well, and I'm enjoying my new life. Um, I kind of went back and got to make up for some lost time and experimentation that I never did in college. I got on Tinder. I did some hooking up for about six months. I got to explore my bisexuality, which I've never had a chance to explore, had experiences with women, which were lovely and I would love to do again. But all this is just background. My question is related to a man I've been seeing. 
I started seeing him, I guess, about a little over a year now. And after doing the online apps and the hooking up, I kind of decided that I would like something a little more safe and steady. So I proposed a friends with benefits relationship to a man I've known for about nine years. It went well for a while. He did catch feelings. I've tried to end it a few times because of that. It has progressively just kind of followed the natural path of a relationship and gotten a little more serious. And I've just decided I'm going to end it. I'm not ready for that. I'm not, he's mentioned things like marriage and meeting my kids and I'm not ready for all that. And here's the question part. I am a lucky person in that I have many, many glorious, lovely friendships that have lasted most of my life. And they all think I'm making a mistake. All of them. They think this guy's great and that my life would be easier taking care of my kids if I had help and he's willing to do that. And all of these things are true, but I feel so confident in the conviction that I will hold on to my high standards. And unless I feel so driven to be with someone that I'm willing to give up the freedom and I don't want a man in my house. I want to do what I want to do. I'm willing to be alone. And they all think I'm making a terrible mistake. And I guess the question is, at what point do I do what I feel is right? And what point do I listen to these people that know me well and love me? I feel so strongly that if in 10 years when my kids have moved on, I decide I need the companionship, I can find someone to, for lack of a better word, settle for. But I'm not ready for that now. I want to have fun and be single. I could use your take on this. You're doing that thing. You're doing that thing that a lot of women do where you went into a conversation with the guy that you're kind of sort of seeing, something that you hope to keep a lid on. You just wanted FWB, no catching of feelings. He caught feelings. You felt, I think, obligated to explore the possibility that you might catch feelings for him as intense as the feelings he caught for you. And you went into a conversation with him to end the relationship. You say that you've talked to him more than once about breaking up. And he didn't agree. You went into that conversation. You went into a conversation about a breakup thinking it was a discussion that you needed to reach consensus about whether you could break up. No, no, you do not have to win the argument with the person you're breaking up with to break up with them. A lot of women seem to think that's the case. A lot of men intuitively, consciously or subconsciously realize that about Women and exploit it and leverage it, again, consciously in some cases, subconsciously in others to, you know, they deny a woman their permission, their consent. They don't agree. They argue with them about the breakup and the relationship then, because you didn't give the woman permission to end it, continues. You don't need his permission to break up with him. You also don't need your friend's permission to break up with him. And you don't need my permission to break up with him, although it's my permission that you called in seeking. And you have it. If you need someone's permission, you have mine. But the most important person, the person whose feelings really matter here, is you. And you articulate your feelings very well. You, after 20 years of marriage, don't want a man in your house, in your life, in the way... A man who wants to marry you expects he will be in your house, in your life, in your face, in the lives of your children. You don't want that right now. You possibly may not want that again ever. And so the track he thinks this relationship is on is not the track 
you think it's on or want it to be on. And you're going to have to derail that fucking train. You're going to have to break the fuck up with this guy. And you can't go into that conversation with him, arguing with him about it, making the case for why you should both exit this relationship. You just have to go in and inform him that it is over because you no longer wish to be in it. You no longer consent to be thought of as his girlfriend or to be his girlfriend. You don't want to see him romantically anymore. Maybe you can dial it back to a friendship. You know, if he was hoping, thinking about marriage, that may be hard for him. He may need to not see you for a long time. But you don't need to win the argument. You go in there, you tell him it's over. You tell your friends it's over. And then call me back and tell me it's over. Because if it was my permission you needed, a little nudge from me, you just got it. Before we get to this week's listener response calls, I want to share a couple of the comments about last week's show that were posted by listeners at savage.love. Says Jules SP, I'm really having a hard time with this. It's fine and socially acceptable to break up with someone via text after sleeping with them. This happened to me recently, except it was after dating and sleeping together for almost two months. A 10-minute phone call would have been the decent and classy thing to do. I hear you, Jules. I agree with you, Jules. But after hearing so many ghost stories from my listeners, a breakup text seems to me like a courtesy at this point. I guess when it comes to dating, we have defined decency down. But I imagine before text messages came along, a 10-minute phone call after two months would have seemed just as indecent and unclassy. And before phones, there were Dear John letters and people complained about those too. I think the reality is no one wants to be dumped or likes being dumped, whether it's by text, phone, Dear John letter, carrier pigeon, Goodyear blimp, chicken entrails, it always sucks. Says by Dan Fan, brilliant opening this week, Dan. I liked your conclusion that women would instead opt for timeshares with progressive polyamorous men over marrying MAGA guys. But you didn't go quite where I thought you would when you mentioned alternatives to marrying those men. Perhaps the sizable community of bisexual women out there will realize they're not as heteroromantic as they thought. Hmm, perhaps. Finally, says JPW, it's fun to hate on the dumb conservative men who've made themselves unfuckably toxic. But at its heart, this is a sign that society is failing men. Because in addition to the sex talk, we need to start having the online radicalization talk, particularly with young men. None of that means women are wrong not to fuck these toxic men, but it's incredibly troubling that the right is having so much success turning young men into unfuckable assholes. Agreed, JPW. All right. There are a lot of great comments at savage.love, comments about the podcast and the column. Some of the best ones are too long for me to share here. Great comments this week from Zoftig, Mathis and Leah, Scott from Atlanta, Castelia, Truth Lemonade, and more posted at savage.love, the one place on the internet where you should definitely and always read the comments and join the discussion too. And now listener response calls. Hey, Dan, this is a response call to episode 893 with the person who called about getting back to his girl with his girlfriend and he was kind of stringing this other woman along. I, I don't know how this was never addressed. Like he addressed you as Danny. Like, are you, is Danny a thing? Do you like to be called Danny? I don't know. There was something that I bristled with and something that was super hot. And so I was just kind of curious how you felt about it. 
I don't usually respond to these response calls, but we're making an exception for this one. I do not mind being called Danny so long as it is my mother calling me Danny or my sister calling me Danny. Nobody else gets to call me Danny. This is a massage therapist responding to the lesbian in episode 893. You know, most of us have tension in the front of our necks from staring down at our cell phones or looking down for work. So that's a really common area for a massage therapist to address during a session. And I'm going to go ahead and guarantee for you that she wasn't trying to give you a sexy vibe or perpetuate the sexy vibe that she accidentally inspired. You know, thank you for keeping your perving secret. I really appreciate that. And please only schedule with her again if you can keep that perving so secret. Because I can't tell you how many clients we have who develop a crush and get too comfortable and take too many liberties and make us feel objectified or propositioned or pressured. And it sucks. It's the worst part of a really awesome job otherwise. So if you find a therapist who makes you feel special, that just means that therapist is good at their job. Hi, Dan. One comment about last week's episode. You said that, you know, guys say to each other, what are you into? The only problem is so many guys will just say everything. And honestly, everything is nothing because so many people have so many diverse interests that I have to tease that out of them. And I'm very kinky, so I want to know what's going on. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? You can record your question or your comment at savage.love slash askdan right now. Or you can use the Voice Memo app on your phone and email your question or your comment to q at savage.love. Or you can give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 206-302-2064. Remember, those early bird discounted tickets for the 2024 Hump Film Festival are on sale now at humpfilmfest.com. Get your tickets to a live screening. See Hump how it was meant to be seen in a theater and get them now at a discount. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dan Savage. Follow me on Blue Sky at Dan Savage. And I am still on the bad place at Fake Dan Savage. Follow Dr. Ina Park on Instagram and threads at Ina Park MD. And learn more about her work and order her terrific book at inapark.net. Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and Nancy and Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for tuning Hot cuckold threesomes with my wife and the pool boy for me.